This is John D. LeMay from Friday the 13th, the series, and Jason Goes to Hell. And you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast. Back to another exciting episode of the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all canceled TV shows in the sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And we had some off-air conversations about the second season, and we believe second season blues are setting in for us, because we'll yeah. get into our review of the of this episode, but uh, I was saying to Mr. Seneca, it feels like we're on season two forever. She's like, we've had a couple delays, you know, work and COVID and stuff. But it just, this season is not as good as season one. It just feels like we are getting the same repeated plot lines from season one. And this episode is a very indication of that with the devil, another unknown girlfriend of the devil. Yeah, yeah. Season two, it just doesn't have a lot of really, really super interesting plot lines. Like, there's Morgan and that's fine. You know, Ben and Nina, that's fine. Uh, It's, I don't know. You know, having the dad be the zombie, like, it's okay. I'm not but... a big fan of zombie dad. I wish he would just go back to the grave and die completely. Well, he will in an upcoming episode that we're reviewing today. So. Good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we have um, a plot line we've kind of already did before. It definitely is exactly like what you've had before. And and uh, But uh, we're here to talk about uh, episode nine, No Reaper Left Behind. I like the title of the episode, at least. The title's good. No Reaper Left Behind, Season 2, Episode 9, originally aired April 28th, 2009. Sam is sent to the home of the devil's girlfriend, Sally, so that she can teach him more of the family business. Sally initially refuses to help teach Sam, since he is moral as well as immature. But Sam realizes that Sally can possibly help him out of his contract. He asks her to teach him the rules of the trade anyway. Meanwhile, Ben has a hard time telling Nina that their romance is over, but Sock sees that he's caught in the middle of their feud when he makes a lame attempt to keep them both apart. Andy has problems dealing with Ted and a new Indian employee at the workbench, when both of them keep fighting. Also, Sam learns that the devil has recaptured Alan and sent him back to hell, but Mr. Oliver volunteers to travel to hell and find Alan to learn more of the devil's secrets from there. The guy who directed this episode, Tom Spuzz Ali, uh, he is somebody I would love to talk to just in general about everything. Cancun and Ashes to Ashes, he also worked on for this show. But uh, he's worked on a lot of great shows I've absolutely loved. Did you ever watch Weird Science back in the 90s? I think I might have caught a couple episodes, but uh, I don't really remember much. He was the creator of the Weird Science TV show. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He was also executive producer on Castle Rock, Watchmen, The Leftovers, uh, Chaos, Chuck, Desperate Housewives, uh, executive producer on 31 episodes of Reaper, Ed, Jack and Jill, Veronica's Closet, and again, all 88 episodes of Weird Science, and another show we've talked about before, Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he directed eight episodes of Weird Science. 
We'll never cover Weird Science. As much fun as I had watching that show, I don't know how much it would hold up today. Looking at uh, Vanessa, whatever her name is, to play the, the genie on the show, would be great in every single episode because she's just incredibly, Vanessa Angel, incredibly beautiful because she's the genie that the two guys create. Um, uh, replacing Kelly from the you know the movie, but at just eighty eight episodes, we would never get it finished. <laughs> yeah, we've got an upper limit of like seventy. <laughs> yeah, and even then, we're not even doing that again ever anytime soon, unless it's something that's really fantastic. You know, the Adams Family and Friday the Thirteenth the series were pretty much our two longest shows. Right, we would have to have something on caliber with that, and even Friday the Thirteenth in its third season was stretching it for us. <laughs> uh, just didn't have the same premise the first two seasons did. We we both admit that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't have John D. LeMay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not the same without Ryan. No, no. On to the episode at hand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sam is transported to a changing room, and the devil wants him to up his game by sending him to a guru and also making him wear, like, turtlenecks, uh, like a, 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 a teacher will help Sam prepare him to bring about the apocalypse. Or the apocalypse that he believes he's going to bring about. Correct. He says something about Sam gaining political power and taking over the world. Sam's not that type of guy. He's not a politician. But the devil keeps thinking that he is, just because he's the most non-lame of his children. The teacher for the episode is played by Simone Kessel. And Simone Kessel is from New Zealand. And you can actually see her right now on the show Obi-Wan Kenobi as Breha Organa. Wait, she is um, Leia's adopted mother? Yes, she is. Oh, my God. I did not recognize her. That is awesome. She would get murdered by Grandma Tarkin when he blows up the planet, most likely her being on it. <laughs> hey, Never at least... was on that planet. Yeah. Um, I mean, whatever you want to say about Gina, whatever, her, the, the, the actress who got kicked off the Mandalorian show, but her character is the first time in anything in Star Wars they ever like acknowledge about the the trauma of losing your entire race of people due to the empire i think and yeah the comic books and the books have touched upon it but not everyone reads those she has tattooed on her face uh a teardrop in the shape of like uh the rebel alliance or something like that or, or something on her arm that signifies that she's from alderaan and and uh i remember one of the x-wing pilots asked her what did you lose i lost everything Everything, absolutely everything. Yes. I can't even imagine losing the Earth. No. Well, go watch Titan AE and see how people react to that. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really good sci-fi movie if you've never seen it before. It's very underrated, I think. But, unfortunately, it was the... It was the Fox Studios uh, animation film that broke Fox Studios. Yeah. It came out to lackluster reviews and a bad box office and killed Fox Animation, basically. So sad. Yeah, good movie. Highly recommend everyone go check it out. Absolutely. But yeah, that's so funny that that's her. I, I didn't even recognize her. Um, go watch the Mandal- uh, Mandalorian. Go watch the book. Uh, don't watch the book. <laughs> what show? Obi-Wan. Thank you. Too many Star Wars shows. But she was also a Terra Nova. That's a show we could do because it's really fast and quick. It got canceled after like four episodes. <laughs> it's only a, four episodes? I believe Terra Nova only got like four episodes. It was a Steven Spielberg produced, uh, um, 
uh, dinosaur oh. show starring uh, I... Jason O'Mara and uh, Shelley Kahn. Uh, oh, it got th- it got one season. It got one season. So thirteen yeah. episodes. Yeah, IMDb shows that she's in twelve episodes of Terra Nova. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's a show we can do some point in the future. It's a short one season show. Um, special effects on it were amazing. I don't. I only watched the pilot episode and I thought it was okay. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, quickly canceled. So the devil's card has nine circles on it because of the nine circles of hell and he got a marketing team to do that. I thought that was very clever. That was brilliant actually because when you're trying to brand yourself, even if you're in a corporation of evil, you want to make the branding as digestible as possible without the evil essence. And so having just nine circles, it's very simple, it's very succinct, but yet it does portray the nine circles of hell. So it's appropriate. I love the logo. Yeah, very, very good marketing. Um, and then the devil is like buying him motorcycles and ponies, trying to buy your kids' affection, terrible parenting, Obviously, the devil is the devil, so it goes without saying that how bad he is. But he says that he got Alan, uh, grounded his play in Las Vegas. Alan gambled, went straight back to hell, probably because the actor wasn't available. I don't know. We don't see any of Alan in this whole, like, oh, Alan is, you know, grounded and back in hell. It's It just feels like they didn't have the actor available, so they had to write something very fast. Uh, but I do love the devil says, I stabbed you in the back uh, fair and square. <laughs> Yeah, he says, I stabbed you in the back fair and square. That is some shitty stuff. That is some shitty stuff. Um, but we still got our Alan uh, intro for our show that Mr. Zeneca sticks on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nina kills, um, trying to kill Ben because she's pissed about their breakup, needs to get over it. This is some serious... Uh, Clingy attachmentness, uh, maybe because Ben was so nice to her, and this is kind of like that situation. Um, let me explain to you, dating world, uh, Mr. Seneca. You haven't been in it in quite some time. You and Jason have been together for a decade, right? Twelve years. Okay, so a, over a decade. Um, clinginess is when somebody is a broken toy, and you're so nice to that broken toy, it will never leave your side. Yeah. Do you believe that but, to be like this? This is exa- I have experienced this before, and it is scary as f. Let me tell you. Okay, I haven't been on the clingy to the point of violent part of that. Oh. <laughs> I've had violence put upon me because someone was admiring me from a distance, and then I turn them down for a date, and then they go all apeshit. But Ugh. this type of thing, like what Nina's doing, trying to kill him, or or at least threatening to kill him. I haven't experienced that. Oh, good. That, no, I haven't experienced that, but it just, it feels like that's what she's doing. Um, We meet Sally, and she is incredibly smoking hot. Of course she is. She dates the devil. Um, You're never going to see an average-looking person um, involved in the main cast. It's going to be people like Ted. (laughs) The devil is not going to date somebody unattractive in any way, shape, or form. No, I mean, he's got the devil. He's got billions of people to choose from. At the very most, he would date an overweight woman in exchange for her soul to become, like, super smoking hot. You know what I mean? That's what the devil would do. 
there yeah. was that is something Barney. Did you ever watch uh, How I Met Your Mom? Yes. Barney did that. He would date overweight women to help them lose weight to turn them hot <laughs> to fuck them. Yeah. He did that a lot on that show. <laughs> so he Sam tells Andy that his plan to seduce the teacher in order to get the devil's secrets out of her. Andy I, doesn't really believe that he can do it because no. he's not really a seducer. No. She described his technique of like waiting on her every beck and call for seven years and just kind of one, one pause list. Andy considers his seduction style to be more erosion. Yeah, you know? she basically got worn down by him. But they were friends. I mean, that just didn't... That's like, you guys were friends and seemed to have been something before, so... Yeah, they were definitely friends. Absolutely, they were friends. They were something before, too, it seems. Before the show started? There, There is a slight bit of, like, dating, perhaps, but that might have been back when... Like, they first met. Right. Yeah. Possibly. She says that when... She says uh, Sam said his bloodlust was a two, it's definitely at a seven because of the... Uh, you know, the he way wants he, to kill the devil. He wants to kill the devil. I love that. Um, uh, Sock's advice to Ben is that women play games and Nina is just playing a game. Oh, Sock. You're just the worst with women. <laughs> he really is. He really is. He's got no idea how to deal with Nina, but says, just ignore her. Ignore her. You know, just pretend she doesn't exist. That's really difficult to do when there's an air conditioner trying to fall on your head. Right. And this is a demon, not just some random chick that you could just block and call the police about. Yes. you got to stalk her, people. Just call the police. Don't, like, just, you know, Jesus Christ. The police take this stuff very seriously today because social media will blow up badly for the police if they don't take something like this seriously. <laughs> man or woman, just saying, you know, you always think about, like, murderers most of the time. Yes, they are men. Stalkers, I, they're probably mostly still men. But, yeah, the women stalk guys, I think a lot more than mur- than men, than women murder guys. Don't Indeed. you believe that ratio probably fits? Yes, I've had more violent attempts from men that couldn't get with me than I've ever had with women, and I've dated dated them pretty equally. I've had um, women stalkers. In fact, I wrote a whole story about it on uh, the Worcester Magazine newspaper about a stalker I had here at WCW, where we record Radio Horror and and, uh, the show and all my other podcasts, and station manager didn't know about it until that article was published and came to me and was like, why didn't you tell me about this? I was just like, because the last time I came to you about a problem, you swept it under the door. It was like, oh, whatever, there's nothing we can do. Why the fuck would I ever come to you about an issue? Yeah. Seriously. Like, it was my car got broken into. And I, and he just kind of like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. No, but you could prevent it from happening by doing A, B, and C. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That's That's just... So he didn't really like the article, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, the workbench's rival is the bargain bench. <laughs> the bargain bench. And instead of blue aprons, they have a red apron. Yes, it's complete opposite. Red and blue. And, and, and accuses the workbench of being an Ikea-like Dutch company. The uh, stuff that's uh, ordered from the bargain bench is for... Uh, uh, Sam's zombie dad who wants to get on social media. I can understand that. He can't leave the house. 
He's a walking corpse. He needs to be entertained. The internet provides a world of entertainment for everyone. Mm. But it does get him depressed that he can't actually interact with the world in a proper manner. Oh, boo-hoo. You sold your son's soul to the devil. You have no sympathy for me. I'm on a very like high-streak, no-sympathy uh, thing for, for things like this and characters. I don't know where it came from all of a sudden, but there was a discussion I had about some character doing something crappy, and they were like, well, we should feel sorry for him because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, no, he did this thing right here. This is bad to begin with. There is no forgiving of this thing he did. No coming back. There is no sorry attitude for me. They deserve what they got. Uh, oh, yeah, it was Wanda in the new Doctor Strange movie. Ah, okay. Wanda is a horrible human being, people. <laughs> PTSD from being buried under a rock caused by the guy you go to work for on the Avengers eventually aside, and the death of your brother and parents aside, you just continue down the spiral path of destruction through your entire career of the MCU. So Nina breaks into Ben and Sock's car, while they're driving, by punching through the windshield. Like, she is very violent. And ironically, the song that plays during that moment is Believe by Cher. Don't play that song on the show. <laughs> I will delete it off your edit of the show if I hear it. Absolutely no Cher, no uh, Bjork. No, uh, Barry Manilow, no country, um, <laughs> no gospel. I was just... This, I command! <laughs> okay, Dr. Christopher. Moving on! <laughs> I cannot stand Cher. I cannot stand, uh, 70s, uh, disco music either, by the way. So I'm just putting it out there. Anyway... Uh, All right, I'll deprive her audience. Giant black and red letters to Mr. Zeneca. Do not <laughs> waste my safe time word? editing your edits. By the way, <laughs> what's your safe word? <laughs> safe word, yeah, that's right. Uh, the devil says, give Sally this veggie steamer. It's something she always wants. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> the veggie steamer. I don't know how the devil actually seduces women, but... He believes that she wants a veggie steamer because he's been digging through her trash. And she's very appreciative when she finally gets it, but Sam takes credit for the gift. However, at the end of the episode, the devil gets that credit back, you know, learns that uh, she learns that Sam didn't give her the veggie steamer, and it gets the devil a trip upstairs, meaning a little nookie. The devil could have Nookie whenever, however he wants. He's a seductor. I mean, he doesn't need to like. He doesn't need to force himself on women, which he's the devil. He probably has. Uh, that's besides the point. But he's got seduction powers, which I don't think is the same as mind control. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, putting out the, the pheromones to seduce a woman is not the same as mind controlling a woman to basically rape them. Just yeah, saying. No, he he, he doesn't do that. You know, he says, I'm the devil. I don't chase tail. Tail chases me. Right. And someone said, oh, how is this any different from a vampire? I'm like, we're really going to unpack the whole thing about vampires being an allegory for rape to begin with. We're not going to start with the mind control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, most women would argue that's a fantasy and also who wouldn't want to live forever if you look hot right now and be a vampire. A little blood, a little nightshade. That's the big deal, right? You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, I'm, I'm practically a vampire now. Uh, you do home. look like a vampire most of the time, yes. I, I do. <laughs> yes, and do. I was the... And you're not white model. either, so you would be like a tannish vampire in some way. Mm. Right, my, you're my not... skin would probably pale out. Right, right, but you're not like... you you <coughs> Excuse me, you don't identify as like Caucasian, right? I do identify as Hispanic. Okay, so... But still not white. <laughs> It varies. You know, if there is a choice to do white plus Hispanic, I will do that on any sort of census yeah, form. Yeah, the back and forth w- with the devil. But I was a vampire for Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines as one of the spokesmodels. Yeah, 20 years, 20, 20, 22 years ago, I remember. Yeah. We posted the pictures up. When we back, when we did the Vampire the Masquerade show, Pessy and Ted are fighting. Pessy is the new, just say whatever the fuck he's going to think, saying no matter how offensive it is about women. <laughs> oh my God, this guy's got the best written lines. He's pretty crass. The devil shows up at dinner, dinner after Sam takes Nina out and then pours wine in Sock's lap. Everyone's having relationship problems. Nina tries to get in bed. Sorry, Sally. I said Nina. Sally and Sam go out to dinner, and the devil shows up, causes an incident at the restaurant, and then pours wine into Sam's lap to get back at him because he thinks Sam is stealing his woman. Everyone's having relationship problems because then Nina tries to get into bed with Sock, and oh my god. (laughs) Well, we find out that that attempt to get into bed with him was all a dream. Wet dream. (laughs) And Sock takes it extremely personal that she was using her demon powers to invade his nightscape. I mean, demon... Gonna do whatever she's gonna do to get some of that. You know what I'm saying? She's gonna get that D no matter what. Looking for Sock's D, she was looking to talk to Ben, and Sock was cock blocking her. Yeah, so she decides to strip down and get into bed. Yes. This is the first time we've and seen then, Nina. And then rip like, his heart out. Is this the first time we've seen Nina, like, almost naked? I think so. I think so too. Okay. More in fitting with this character than Sock's stepsister, I guess. Than, like, if Andy did this. It's certainly more appropriate than him being into his stepsister. Correct. And this is also more appropriate for this type of character, considering she's a demon, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So they did this with Andy. There would need to be some explanation behind it. Like, they're going to the beach. Oh, definitely. She's taking sock. She's talking, you know, be, uh, Sam lingerie shopping or whatever, you know, something like that. Or she's hanging out with a gal pal and they're getting dressed. <coughs> but, yeah, her being in a bra and panties is indicative of, also they're black too, of course they are, but this was my favorite part of the whole episode, and it's kind of a lackluster episode. <laughs> oh, the, na- the nearly naked woman is your favorite part of the episode? Nina? Yeah, she's a demon. She's hot too, so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the demon form. Does it really do it for me? It does it for me. I don't know. Just, just you know, just seems like they're using the same 3D model for all the demons. They could put, you know, if they put some boobs on the demon form, I'd be totally into it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably crossing into hentai territory, so let's move on. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, the devil you... uses a cheap version of the force to slam so- Sam around, by the way. It's so, it's like we just got done watching Obi-Wan, and it just looks so much better on that. <laughs> Yeah, now let's talk about Alan. Now, Alan was, last time we saw him, he was on the plane going to Vatican City. And then the devil was kind of a flight attendant on that plane. And we find out in this episode that the plane went down in Vegas 
and now he's sent to hell because he went all gambling and whatnot. Did Alan actually die to go to hell? Or is he just corrupt and his soul is doomed to go to hell anyway? So he can just give up on pursuing him. Good questions. This Alan plot line is boring and going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm inclined to think that he corrupted his soul enough, but maybe he could repent. And, you know, everything is all clear from that point. It didn't seem like Alan actually died. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, the yeah, Alan plotline has killed it for me. It just, it's it's dull and boring. This should not be taking as long. Yeah. The devil knows everything that's going on. He should have put a stop to this right in the beginning. Yeah. He he does know everything unless you're standing in a circle. Right, so. He can, he can overhear everything that you're saying. He knows what you're thinking. Right. Yeah, no. Sorry, I just, I'm done with the entire Alan plotline as much as I was done with Morgan's plotline, as much as I'm done with Dad's plotline in the next episode. And as much as I was done with the stepsister plotline. Yeah, no, that was, you know, eye candy and nothing more. Didn't add any real value to anything. It, and it actually made the Sock character a bit worse, in my opinion. I liked him in season one. Season two, he's just turned schmarmy and and sleazy and i i i don't like the sock that's in season two no but i mean he's still indicative of the same sock we had before he's very just you know the male chauvinist jackass pig yeah it just it got up to more of a level because of his you know sexy stepsister which the writers are responsible for this whole thing, you know, putting her into that position and the way they kept writing her and dress, you know, having the actress dress and the way she was talking and then just, it, it just did not do any favors for just, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the, just the bad writing. And that's, a, that's really surprising considering that these episodes came out in 2009. I'd expect a plot line like that to be in a late 90s show. I think the 2000s were still filled with plot lines like this um, tremendously. I mean, the, the, like I said, How I Met Your Mom was running at this time. No, that's true. And Barney was a hopeless romantic who would never get the girl until he does and goes through, like, thousands of women... Every means necessary. Yeah. It's played for comedic laughs, and you're not supposed to like Barney. You're just supposed to love Neil Patrick Harris because he's NPH and very lovable, you know? The fact yeah. that he's also being played by a gay man who had no interest in women whatsoever is the joke as well. And I do like the Barney character. Right. And I just relate to him to Sock so much. So, but that's all the notes I have for this episode. Oh, we need to talk about her capture. Who what? Yeah, that's right. She she's the vessel. She's yeah. the soul. That's so, almost okay. uh, that's that's almost like a completely just non-existent plot. This whole thing. Yeah, in this episode we don't have an escaped soul, but we do because the teacher is actually an escaped soul. Sally, uh, when she's confronted, grows claws like her fingernails turn into claws to strike at Sam with. Because the devil gives the vessel of this episode a gun 
to Sam. And when I first saw this, I thought, okay, well, maybe he's trying to trick Sam into murdering her. But no, once the claws start coming out, I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, she's a soul. Yeah, she's a soul. But she doesn't actually get captured. Uh, the devil and her make up and go upstairs for sex, and that's really it. So no soul put back, no Gladys or any of that. No, no and Gladys. Uh, Gladys is very absent this season. And Ben and De- Ben and Nina make up as well by the end of the episode. Yeah, Ben after and Nina get back together. After they accidentally burn her barn. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Yeah, she she says that how many times that she's been, you know, chased with uh, fire and pitchforks from villagers, and so she's expecting this from Sam, or she's expecting this from Sock, but they accidentally set fire to her place, and so now she gets to move in with them. Yeah, well, we'll get into that weird uh, Three's Company situation in the next episode. And the only other song in this episode was sung by Ben, and it was I Will Survive, originally performed by Gloria Gaynor. We'll be back the next exciting episode of Reaper on the Dead TV Podcast by Brothers Reaper. Do you love what you hear on the podcast? Please go to Buy a Cup of Coffee. The Radio Horror link is in the show notes, but it's on top of the Twitter page. Or you can just go to buymeacupofcoffee.com backslash Radio Horror, and you can help support any other podcast here on the Radio Horror Network. Donations go towards cloud service and new equipment. Thank you. And we're back with the next exciting episode of Reaper here on the Dead TV Podcast. Reaper, Season 2, Episode 10, My Brother's Reaper, originally aired May 5th, 2009. In an unusual move, the devil tasks Sam with getting a spoiled and obnoxious rich guy named Gary to sign a contract selling his soul to Satan. Unfortunately... Gary is too clever for the incompetent Sam and manages to avoid all of Sam's attempts to get him to sign on the dotted line of the contract, while the devil has other plans to take Gary. Meanwhile, Nina moves in with Sam, Sock, and Ben. Morgan does likewise after being financially cut off by the devil. Morgan tries to ask Sam for a path that he wants to take, while Nina reveals to the guys that she's been attending a redemption workshop for demons, led by Tony, whom are seeking redemption to ascend to heaven. Also, Sack, also, Sock pursues the overworked and overwhelmed Andy to throw a bachelor party for Ted at the workbench, with nobody aware that Ted has his own agenda. The fact that Ted's getting married is weird? Yeah, we basically start off the episode with him announcing that he's engaged after one date with a woman. Well, yeah, after the opening with the, uh, the, the Nina showing up with uh, alcohol and pizza for the guys to try and make amends. And Sock being his typical jackass self about it. That's true. Yeah. Love and Nina in this episode, just because all black and sheer and just just gorgeous. I mean, <laughs> but Morgan's so, pathetic, you know, attempt to reconnect to Sam by the fact that he needs to move in together is awful. Um, it's funny that Morgan and Nina do have a connection because, you know, demon and son of Satan. Yeah, she's attracted to evil. You know, we saw that a little bit with Sam when she kissed him in the episode Underbelly. But turns out that this is an entire act with Morgan. She's not really into Morgan, but she had to tempt him to go somewhere so her and her demon crew could off him. What type of car does the devil show up in, do you know? I don't know cars. Yeah, I don't either. It's a really nice car. It's big and red. It's red. We're not car people, people, so... <laughs> Don't add us in the comment section. 
The baby got up with in the heart the front harness for the demon reminds me of um there is a scene in the new Thor movie that will remind you of this if you've seen the new Thor movie. It's right in the beginning of the movie. It's very cute. A lot of people laughed when they saw it. Okay, I have not seen the new Thor movie, so don't spoil it for me. Well, go read go, the, the, the Mighty Thor and go read the Thor God of Thunder storylines before you go see it, by the way. Oh, I got homework to do? Yes, you have 25 issues of one series to read, and ah. then you have... About 40 issues of another series to read. There's two uh. stories to read prior to watching this movie. One is about, uh, the, the first story is about the introduction of Gore the God Killer. And that's in Thor God of Thunder. And then, uh, in that same series, Thor starts dating this S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, um, and also learns that his former love interest, Jane Foster, has cancer and is, uh, dying of it. Then, the Mighty Thor, that is when we learn that uh, Jane has picked up the Hammer of Thor. It's like a six-issue mystery until they get to the final issue before they restart it because of Secret Wars and the entire Marvel Universe collapses in on itself and everyone dies. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to read that. Um, but it's like a mystery for like six issues and like Odin's like, you know, oh, somebody picked up the Hammer. Obviously Odin's not in the movie because he was killed off in the last one. But uh, there's those are the two series to read if you want to get the full scope of Jane's journey being uh, the Mighty Thor. Can I just skip it? No! You told me it's really good! Seriously! This is like one of the best runs of Thor in a long time. By Aaron Archer. The entire Aaron Archer run of Thor is amazing. Then, you gotta read when she drops the hammer finally, takes care of her cancer, and Thor becomes Thor again, and then loses his hand and his eye. <laughs> and then, like a thousand years in the future, he's King Thor, and he's got like three granddaughters, and like... You're killing me. You're killing and Wolverine me is the phoenix, by the way. <laughs> Duh. Anyway, so um, after our uh, little stint in the Bymore, uh, the workbench where we learn about Ted's uh, impending nuptials, whatever, uh, nuptials, <laughs> Sam gets the devil's car, by the way, and shows up at this swanky mansion with Alfred answering the door. Yeah. And, uh... Gary just won't sign on the dotted line. No. He's a, uh, he is definitely going to be a problem through the whole episode. So Gary is played by Michael Weaver. And right now you can see him on The Walking Dead as The Warden. Oh, okay. I have not watched The Walking Dead in quite a while. Honestly, neither have I. And I don't I will eventually binge watch it. Maybe. Nina is trying to control her urges. By walking the path of Steve. Yeah, it's like a rehab clinic for demons, I guess. Yeah, you know, Steve was all about doing good deeds. And how doing good deeds will set you in the right path on the good. And it turns out that's how he got into heaven. Is He led a good life. And so when he died, he was sent to heaven instead of to hell. So all these demons are clinging to the hope that they, too, if doing good deeds and doing them well enough, will grant them back into heaven. Isn't that the plotline of Kevin Smith's dogma? No. Yeah, sort of. About two angels who, if they get all of the bad stuff sprinkled off of them, passing through the archways, because the cardinal glick says that this will absolve you of all your sins, you can get back into heaven. And that's... 
kind of what the demons are doing. They're trying to do a bunch of good ge- deeds to get back into heaven. Like, they think that's well, going to do away from all their sitting as demons in hell. Well, they're, they're doing good deeds. In Dogma, they were trying to use a loophole. Oh, right. So they find just God do it fallible. Without doing the good deeds at all. Right. They found God fallible. And if they do find God, God, if they do find God fallible, they will unmake all of existence. Yes. Yes. I would like to test that theory one day. <laughs> you hear me, Lord? Just saying. <laughs> I'm right here. So in this episode, we actually do see Steve communicating to Gary. When, you know, towards the later part of the episode when Gary gets invited to this redemption workshop because the devil puts a hit out on him so that he kills him before Gary's plan of redemption and and repentance can go through. Steve talks to Gary through the screen. You know, Steve is just karaokeing. It's a video of him karaokeing, but he's talking directly to Gary and really makes a successful change in him. Gary turns his whole life around. So in this episode, there is no escape soul. We're just dealing with Gary. This is um, great for a couple things. We get rid of one character and something great happens to a character I have loathed since the beginning of his conception on this show. I know, you don't like Morgan. Nope, but it's a happy episode if you don't like him. <laughs> yeah, he gets murdered at the end. Yeah. And then we get the Wilhelm screen, too, which doesn't make a lot of sense. That should be for, like, falling, right? Yeah, but it's a free screen. Yeah, is it? I thought it, I thought you, I thought Disney owned it. I thought it was public domain. Oh, interesting. Did you ever see the movie that the Wilhelm screen comes from? One sec. Repeat that. Have you ever seen the movie that the Wilhelm screen comes from? Which movie is that? I no, I, I haven't either. I'm just I, I was wondering if you knew. Oh no no. I, <laughs> oh, I don't okay. know what movie it comes. Well, from. the Wilhelm scream um, comes from uh, the the originates from a series of sound effects recorded for uh, the 1951 movie Distant Drums. I've never seen it before. Oh okay. Yeah, that's that's the best known um, place of it. It uh, was recorded by Sheb Woolley. Um, but again, the first time it appeared was a uh, Western in 1951 when Westerns were all the rage and an army soldier is getting eaten by an alligator, which is pretty dark for 1951. Mm, yeah. So Sock, Sock is trying to get Andy to allow the bachelor party for Ted to take place at the workbench. Why? I, I don't know why the workbench would be a good place for a bachelor party. It's it's a warehouse store. Like, and also, you know, bachelor parties club. are supposed to have strippers and cocaine and, and, and blow and, and alcohol. And This is a corporate place. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> and, and even when it's revealed that Ted is not engaged, that the girl that said yes actually thought he was being sarcastic and just dark with it, Ted... Wants to do the bachelor party anyway. Kind of lame and pathetic. It is. But honestly, Sock just wants to throw a party. Right. And he wants to throw a party with clown strippers. Have you ever worn a boot before? The one Sam wears is kind of, uh, looks incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, have I ever worn what? A boot like Sam has. I've never broken my leg, so. No, I have not worn one of those. Morgan reminds me of a roommate that doesn't want to do anything or, or ever just lounges around the house eating cereal because he's like obsessed with cereal, it seems. Morgan has never worked a day in his life. That's so true. He's just 
lounging on the couch, deleting people's DVRs of soap operas and doing whatever he wants in the house. And that is interrupting everyone. And so Sam, you know, basically tells him to get out. You got to find somewhere else. Before him and Nina copulate. Yeah, before Morgan and Nina get it on. But that's just a trick. Yeah. Steve says through Gary that Sam is different and he has his own destiny. He's not like the other children of the devil, you know, because Nina is tasked with killing all of the children of the devil. But she can't kill Sam because Sam has a different destiny. Which we don't really ever kind of get to learn. <laughs> we don't learn it in this show, but it's. Basically included in my headcanon, so it's included in the. uh, It's probably included on like the. Oh, this is what was going to happen on season three, which we'll get to at the end of season two. And a fun fact: uh, having a clown fetish means you're a cholerophiliac. Yeah, thirty-three percent more women than men are into that kink. Yeah, that does not do anything for me. Uh, women I've heard more often say that than guys. Uh, I just don't find clowns to be attractive in any way, shape, or form. Harley Quinn aside, not a clown, <laughs> more of a court jester, more of a Harlequin, too, by the way, than a court jester, but that aside, <laughs> I don't find sexy Joker attractive or Ronald McDonald, or It, women dress up as sexy It, no, you're not, sorry, <laughs> you're not attractive, you're just creepy looking, good job by the way then, you've creeped me out, you've done your job, but you're not sexy, one is not an insult, the other is a compliment, I'm just saying that right now, I said I that, have... To, I have said that to someone, I'm like, listen, I understand you're sexy It, but you're more creepy than sexy It, and that's a compliment, she was like, oh, 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 <laughs> she had to think about that for a second. <laughs> Tits were out the whole thing. You know what I mean? Really trying to make it like sexy it. <laughs> but the creep factor was there more. One, one second. Okay, go on. So I just don't find clowns sexy at all. At all. Sorry. No, nope. unless you're Harley Quinn. <laughs> I have known of clown orgies. You. Especially in New Orleans. New Orleans has a very, very active clown gang. Ew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they... they it, it's kind of a thing with clowns to have sex with the makeup on. So at the end of the episode when Sock definitely looks that he took one of the clown strippers home, he's got the makeup smeared on him, and then she peeks her head out the window and says, this time let's do it with the clown nose on. Oh, God. That's a thing. That's a thing. If you have, if you're a colorophiliac, yeah, that is a thing to have sex with the clown makeup on. There's just something wrong with certain people. It's probably one of those fetishes that develop in early childhood when clowns are supposed to be all nice and fuzzy, and you're supposed to have a good feelings about them. Oh, I knew somebody don't. who used to have a Santa fe- of Santa fetish, like same ser- thing, yeah, like serious, like hard on. Like, would want to, like, sit on Santa's lap in all of the sexual ways possible, if she could. Yeah. 
Like, she yeah. went into, like, somewhat detail. Like, I would want Santa to whip it out, and I tell him what I want while he's inside me. Yeah, I have heard of that as well. That is also, I guess, that's less weird than the the clown thing for me. In this episode, we hear Steve on his karaoke sing Jesse's Girl, which was originally performed by Rick Springfield. We also heard Cherry Pie by Warrant, and Steve also sings Take My Breath Away, originally performed by Berlin. And the very end of the episode, when Sam and Andy are basically using a baseball bat to uh, hit cans of beer against a wall. Uh huh. That song is called Senses, performed by LaRocca. Here's oh. a clip. Here's a clip. And that's all the notes I have. Do you think Andy's handling her um, job very well as the head of the store? Well, she certainly got demoted through this instant because Ted, on his own, reported Andy for this thing that is not supposed to happen at the workbench. You're not supposed to have a bachelor party at the workbench. So Andy was basically punished with demotion, which suits her fine because she was not enjoying the job of being the manager. No. Um, one of the actresses I wanted to point out, uh, in the episode was April Tellick. Uh, she played Phyllis. Phyllis. Uh, she was in the meeting. Oh, okay. In the group. Uh, she was Darla on Supernatural, um, for a number of years. And, um, A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, which is a decent, uh, movie to check out. Uh, Dead Rising 4, the video game, and uh, a bunch of other stuff just as a bit part character. One of the other demons that attacks Morgan, his real name is called Zoltan Barbarus, and this was his last acting role. Oh, did he die? No, he's still alive. He's in Sweden. Oh, okay. So he just stopped acting. I believe so. Zoltan would be a cool name to have. Zoltan. That's all the notes I have for this episode as well. Um, It was okay. We did away with uh, Morgan. Oh, we didn't talk about what happened to Dad. Oh, yes. That was at the end of the last episode, but I'll, I'll loop it in. Sam's dad gets sent back to hell by using that Nerf gun vessel that he got uh, a while back from Gladys and her friend. Right. And that is all the notes we have for this episode of Reaper here on the Dead TV Podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for checking us out. I oh, um, we be- I believe we have, um, what, s- seven more episodes? Of Reaper? No, we only have three. Wow, it's a short season, yeah, too. Yeah, we have, we, for some reason, I thought there was more this season, but there's not. We are literally almost at the end of our coverage of Reaper. Um, we have three episodes left. The final episode will be its own standalone recording, but the next two, eleven and twelve, will be our in uh, will be coming up in two weeks. But we should actually be done with Reaper by the end of September, and then we'll take a tiny little bit of a break, uh, and then we will have a loving. Now uh, we I want to mention this. Um, 
We're going to start Alienation uh, earlier than I suspected because I miscalculated on the number of episodes of Reaper, but uh, it's going to also be a memorial service in loving tribute and accolades to the late, great James Caan, who just passed away this past week, and he was uh, one of the two stars of Alienation, the movie. Yeah. Uh, A movie which, by the way, he did not like. They're not all winners. Nope. Uh, but uh, his alienation was to Bob Hoskins' uh, Super Mario Brothers. Okay. So uh, he he was on the actor's couch where he said alienation was a mess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we're going to have fun reviewing it because it does kick off the TV show, and then we've got some amazing guests coming on from the TV show. So stay tuned for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, wow, I just cannot believe how fast, like, how, I, God, for some reason, thought Reaper had more episodes. Yeah, and we only have three episodes more Brimstone. I timed it right to coincide. Fantastic. Well, we'll be back in two weeks with episodes 11 and 12, and then at the end of the month, finishing it off with the final episode and going over anything we know about what would have happened in season three and any of the discussions about why the show was canceled in more depth and detail that we can find online. Don't forget, you can find us online at RadioHorror.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and a dozen thousand other websites I keep finding us on, which all look very weird that I didn't plug in the <laughs> RSS feed to, but that's okay. We're everywhere, apparently. Uh, Audible, too, by the way. If we're on Audible, leave us a rating on Audible. A lot of people don't listen to podcasts on, on Audible. I listen to a couple podcasts on Audible. One of them is the Indiana Jones podcast that breaks down all of the stuff in Indiana Jones and the historical side of it. How cool nice. is that? Yeah. From comic books to the movies to the TV show. Good stuff. And, of course, they're obviously gearing up for the new movie coming out next year. So, And you can find us on our email, thatradiofhorror at gmail.com, and on Twitter at ChristySAV and at Elegant and Kiki, and, of course, our Facebook page, The Dead TV Podcast. We'd also like to say uh, happy 20th anniversary to... Uh, we missed it, but it was uh, about a month ago or two. Happy 20th anniversary to Witchblade, which we entirely covered and had the star of Witchblade on the show with us, Yancey Butler, and she says hello to us. Woo! I love so, it. 20 years ago, Witchblade debuted uh, this summer. It was a summer show on uh, TNT, so go check out our podcast coverage of it. That was a big get for me because I was in love with Yancey when I watched that show. <laughs> So having her on the show was like a heartthrob moment for me. <laughs> just like me with Adrian Paul. <laughs> yes. Just like if we got like Missy Pellegrim on the show with us from uh, from Reaper, that would definitely be also a big uh, heart-pounding moment for me. <laughs> Too bad we couldn't get her. Nah, yeah, a little bit tied up in a show. Actually, no, she's she left that show. She left the show she was on recently. FBI, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Thank you, everyone. Good night.